0: Today, I sit down with Jared Thayer of Thayer Design Build. Jared facilitates the project design and development process. He is a Corvallis native and lifetime Oregonian. And Jared grew up in the construction industry. And after obtaining a degree in English, he started the business at 25 years old. As a father and an avid reader, Jared believes in the importance of education, giving back to the community, and leading with a servant's heart. Now for the conversation with Jared Thayer. Hey, Jared, thanks for joining me today.
1: You betcha. Thank you for having me, Spencer.
0: Yeah. Well, let's kick things off. Maybe just give everyone a rundown. Like, where are you at? What's the company? What kinds of projects are you guys doing? Just give us a quick overview.
1: Our company is Thayer Design Build, formerly Thayer Construction. We rebranded at the top of the year. We've been in business, will be eight years in May. And we're located here in Corvallis, Oregon. We do only design build home remodeling not much outside of that. Last year, I guess in in 2020, we did about 900k in revenue. And then this last year, we did 1.4 in revenue. And this year, we're definitely going to beat that. So that's nice. In terms of the amount of people we have, it's eight people uh, on the team. And the type of projects that we do are design build home remodeling. So that's kitchens, bathrooms, whole home remodels. We do not do decks or new construction or anything like that, just all home remodeling. And we're trying to stay away from projects that are under 50,000 at this rate, unless they're for existing clients uh, who want to do a repeat project.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you said you've been doing this eight years, I'm assuming by the name and you know, the company that you started it. So I'm curious, why'd you get into it? What What caused you to start the company?
1: Yeah. So uh, I started the company when I was 25 years old. So 32 now, uh, which I think you started yours when you were
0: about that age too. Uh, right around that time. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. think it was 20, 2010, maybe. So yeah, right somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I mean, there's there's a lot of different factors that go into it. Childhood and and wanting to do better than provide a better childhood for my my children than what I had growing up you know, wanting to be able to determine my own work life and not necessarily work for somebody else. Maybe I wasn't the best employee compared to, you know, just being a business owner. And ultimately, I was just encouraged by my wife and her dad to get started. He's a contractor down in California. My family here locally, they highly discouraged me. For starting the business. They said I was going to starve and I was too young to do it. And so initially we started out just doing handyman work, you know, for different homeowners doing whatever sort of stuff they needed, like gutter cleaning and like fence repair, all this super humbling stuff. And uh, eventually started with a property management company doing all their turnovers. And I used that time to really learn a lot through audiobooks so like if you're painting for eight hours a day that's mind-numbing work you can put on some sort of an audiobook and it's like a university while you're at work Uh, and the same thing while at driving and so I used that time just to learn and then eventually ended that relationship and just started working directly for homeowners and that again was really humbling work and I wanted to to get into home remodeling. And so we it just started small and has kind of grown from there. But the yeah. biggest part of that is just the education piece and on my own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And, and definitely that's a lot of time that you can start compounding that knowledge, you know, right. um, day in, day out. So I'm sure those early years were a little bit of a slog, but they probably started compounding pretty quickly when, you know, just learning about what to do. When did you kind of make the shift to like more, Design build or all the like, kind of the larger scale projects that you're doing now compared to like the handyman stuff and maybe just those smaller things.
1: So when we when we quit working for that property management company, we went from like ninety thousand dollars in revenue to zero, and I panicked and was like, just had no work. I got on Google on like how to run a successful construction company, and I just started like searching for the answer of like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I need to keep our our standard of living up. And so we started taking little steps to actually building a company and it just started small, you know, people, we did our first bathroom for like 20 K and I thought that was amazing. And I was like, wow, I you know, should keep getting into these large projects. That's really fun. <laughs> uh, you know? And then it was like, you know, another bathroom. Wow. And then, and then we had a $50,000 bathroom and I was just beside myself. And then, you know, with that, I knew that we needed to be able to control the planning of it because that's where the success of the project comes in. Without great planning, then, you know, things fall apart, you have a disappointed client. I grew up working for my grandma. She had she was so demanding with what she wanted us to do. I kind of have that same philosophy when working with people. It's just like don't disappoint them, do it really well. And so Um, Even those, those bathrooms, I would be sure to like write the scope of work, which you need to do to be able to estimate it and to be able to write a contract for it. And so then just kind of trying to raise my standards and, and say, you know, this, this scope of work isn't good enough. Now we need to have drawings for it. You know, like I'm a contractor, I should have a really good contract. And just, it's like all these little incremental improvements keep stacking on top of each other and eventually, you know, just hiring a, a subbed out designer. The first one we hired was really terrible and that was disappointing, but the project worked out well and we got a, a really good video out of it. A nice relationship. And then after that we found another designer and just kind of kept going on from there. And finally this last year at the top of 2021, so January, 2021, we, we brought design in house mm-hmm. and that was a real game changer for just the level of detail and and uh, synergy that's created in there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned like all the incremental like small changes and like layers that you're adding on on top. I find that a lot of people they either one don't know what those are, but then two, oftentimes they kind of figure out what they are, but they're they struggle to do them because they're so busy just like running the day-to-day. So can you talk about how you like balanced figuring that out and then actually like putting those things into place. Because those are the things that usually are the things that move the needle the most and they're the most important, but they're sure. not urgent at all because you've got right. other shit going on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So even when I was working,
1: like I'm still kind of an operator now, I'm, I'm really trying to focus on becoming a business owner. And when I was like the sole worker there, even then everything is all about constant, never ending improvement, right? Kaizen. Like, and if you can embody that, then no matter what you're doing, like you're, you're just always focusing on improving it. So when I was working in the field, it was like, Oh, how do I make this this trailer the best trailer that I possibly can and all the perfect little cubbies for all these tools. And then when I removed myself from that, then I'm in the office and it's like, oh man, how do I make this office the best that I can or the design process the best that I can. And so I think, Having an idea of where you want to be, you know, do you want to be working in the field for the rest of your life? Well, if so, you don't really have to come up with too many systems or processes. But if you want to become a business owner and not just an operator, then you got to figure that out. And to just start working on the business part of the time instead of just for the business, uh, that's important. And really, I think I'm partly wired for it. Like, I really enjoy all of these little
0: improvements, they just excite me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably, you're probably in the smaller percentage of people, which is a good thing in that case because sometimes those little details, I, I'm not one of those people. I, I'm a vision, you know, big picture person. So when it gets down below a certain level, I'm like, okay, like I'm bored. I can't, I can't focus on this. So that's probably a strategic advantage that you have, which is great. I'm curious just to hear about maybe like a couple early... Failures or things that just went wrong. And you're like, okay, I learned a lot from that. But if I didn't have to go through that again and somebody could have told me, that would have been really nice. Anything coming to mind?
1: I had some pain that I'd experienced. I don't know if I'd call it a failure, right? But, and of course, it's both the light and the dark, right? It's both a success yep. and a failure. But, you know, early on, one of the biggest changes that happened for the growth of the company was hiring somebody who's better than me at doing the work at doing the carpentry and that was amazing and we created music together for like I don't know a year maybe a year and a half and it was just so outstanding like I, I never had to show up at the job site because his standards were always way better than mine eventually I lost him as an employee and that was such a painful thing and it just made me want to quit because all of a sudden you know our clients we have this image of like being able to produce at this level. And I have this standard of being able to produce at this level. And then all of a sudden I can't do it and I'm, I'm doing the work and you know, it's, it's not as good as what he could do. And so that was really painful losing that person. But looking back now, it was actually, it was a good thing that it happened, uh, because it's allowed us to, to, you know, find the people that are on our team. Now it opened up those doors. And I imagine there's some philosophy things there that him and I didn't agree upon. And so, yeah, that was, that was a big failure. And it was also a reminder, like take care of your people period, because you think paying somebody well is expensive, you know, try losing them and finding somebody else, try being desperate. You know, you think health insurance or all these other little perks is expensive. Like try not having that person. And then you can't produce that revenue, you know, for sure. So that's, that's really important. And, and of course, like the book, Good to Great, you know, first who, then what? So you got to get the people right and then figure out what to do.
0: That's a really good point, you know? Yeah, because it's easy to get short-sighted in the moment and be like, oh, do no, I want to pay this person a little bit more or uh, add these benefits and uh, that's extra money. And then as soon as you lose them, you're like, oh, <laughs> well, that just cost me half a year's salary to figure out right. uh, how to replace them and get somebody new in and get them trained. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Right almost the opportunity cost on time lost is so great in those moments.
1: Right. There's that. And then there's also the revenue that that person could have brought in, you know, like if you have, you know, this, this great person who can handle a million and a half dollars in revenue a year, all of a sudden you lose them and you're only producing, you know, 800 K or something like that. That's really painful. And then another failure, that I've had. I don't have anything particular coming to mind. I've I've never been sued, never <laughs> never had any issues with lawyers or any like you know. I've I've gotten a letter once from that first designer, which was just over something silly. But we've never ever had any problems working with clients, and I think that that's pretty somewhat unique based on the amount of work that we've done and time that we've been in business. But it's it's just been this like fear of disappointing. The clients and just wanted to make sure that everything turns out as perfect as able, and just trying to take care of them.
0: Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy it's changed dramatically over the years, and for the last ten years. Really, since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, we've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems and i recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book and that book is called the remodeler marketing blueprint and you can pick up a copy by going to the website remodelermarketingblueprint.com. you can also search for it on amazon or wherever books are sold online but i highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates so it would mean a lot to me. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. one of the questions I always like to ask is if you've had like a crazy or weird client story. And so maybe just hearing that you don't, but if you do, I'd love to hear yes. about it. <laughs> I do.
1: I do. And I wheeled my way out of it. So this was like, I don't know, three years ago or so. It's just, it was springtime. I think I had hired a carpenter and so I was hungry for work to keep this guy busy. We had, I think we had two carpenters and this was our third one. And I show up to this, this house and this guy was smart. His, I call him special Spencer now, sorry, Spencer, but right. he special. <laughs> and, um, and basically like you show up and you're like, man, there's a general, like, is this guy a general contractor? Because I see this like these tractor forks here and I see like this house that is just under construction. And I'm like, why does this guy need me? Like, obviously he's, he's getting this stuff done and I show up and he, takes me in. He's just got all this shit all over his house. Like he's like a hoarder. It's like half moved in. But the thing is, is there's, there's all these red flags that are coming up, but he, he was smarter than me in that he, he would address the objection before I brought it up. Right. Which is a sales <laughs> thing And so he'd be like, oh yeah, you know, I got my, my excavators. He's got his stuff over here and he'll be, he'll be back next week to do this. And then like, Oh yeah, all this stuff, you know, you just had a reason for why all of this stuff is going on. And, and normally I have a really good gut that like when my gut and for the people listening to this, if they don't teach you this in school, but like, trust your gut. Right. But normally my gut comes out and says, man, there's something wrong. I need to leave. But with this guy, he was, he was emotionally intelligent. And so he put my guard down and Seemed like, you know, nice dude. Seemed like he had plenty of money. You know, it's a nice house doing all this stuff. And he just needed like all this punch list stuff done. And so I was like, cool, you know, we can do this. Let's sign a time materials agreement. Unfortunately, my wife was out of town when this happened because I was really able to dedicate my attention to it. But, But as a part of the agreement, he had all this punch list stuff that he wanted to get done prior to having adjuster or somebody come out to get his house refinanced and like Mm -hmm. he somehow slipped this into the contract where he's like and all of this stuff done by this date in order for this and so then i start we get to work on the project and i start calling subs i'm like all right you know you come here and take care of this drywall and and then i start hearing from the other contractors in town they're like oh man you're working at that house Oh, <laughs> um, you got to hear this story. Like he's, he's in a huge lawsuit right now with this other guy and, you know, like 10 other contractors. And so I started calling up all these people saying, Hey, what do I do in this situation? What would you do? If you were in my situation, you could do it again. And they're like, okay, well, you need to take notes on everything. You need to get out. You need to get out. And so I stayed up real late, you know, wife's out of town. So I just stayed up real late writing like all of these things where it says like this guy is approving our work. Cause I guess like he would let you do the work and then he'd complain about it and try to not pay. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to write all these things. And eventually I just pestered him so much with all these contracts saying like, you have approved this work, Jared's done it and all this stuff. And, <laughs> and uh he finally, that week we're working there for like three days. And that week I have him sign a bunch of stuff and, and I just walk in there feeling strong, and and he finally just kicked us out and said, "Get out of here." We <laughs> lost like four thousand dollars in labor. But when talking with my lawyers, she was like, "This is actually a win. This is the yeah. best thing that could possibly happen because this guy has money and he's got some serious lawyers." And so I felt really grateful, and also kind of disappointed that there's no way for us to be able to check on our clients to find out if they're psycho. But as a result, you know, I came up with a list of things that like, if anybody fits any of these criteria, I'm not going to work for them. And so we're super picky with the clients that we do work with because, you know, that can just ruin you. You know, they, they'll take up six months of your time. They'll, they'll ruin your employees' motivation. They'll suck your soul with all of the stress and everything else that you experience. So, yeah. yeah. And oh, now we just focus on nice, nice empl- uh, clients. Only if they're if they're an asshole, we're not working for them. Period. They slip in every now and then, but not very often.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good a good policy because you know, that's yeah. a pretty easy read by by the time you've done a couple of meetings. Man, that's that's a wacky one though. I'm glad you were able to get out with. That's pretty minimal damage for sure. So. Yeah,
1: that guy was super smart too. But I I went on like full full red alert, you know, stay up until midnight every night, figuring out how am I going to get out of this writing these, like these agreements of like, you're going to agree that we did this work right now. Yeah. It's sufficient.
0: Yeah. And we're not going to start on the rest of it until we get there.
1: (laughs) I did did like some other psychological stuff. Like, you know, when, when you go in there, like just totally amped up and strong, you know, like ready, ready for a real conversation. And like, I would make him sign these things and I would sign mine in blue and I'd give him a red pen to sign it. (laughs) Like you're going to sign with a red pen and and uh,
0: all this other stuff. So, Oh man, that's pretty funny. That's crazy. That's, that's a good one. Um, haven't heard one like that yet. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that one. (laughs) Yeah, that guy,
1: he was, and he was just a a serial liar too. I I, I heard lots of stories about him. It's it's a shame, but a, a true... Psychopath, and and I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that about people ever, except for this guy. So watch out. The good news is, is you only get one of them maybe once every decade, once a lifetime that you have to deal with a person like that.
0: So I got my quota for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's the one and only. Yeah. Well, on, on the flip side, I'm sure you work with some some amazing clients, but I'm I'm always curious, like what keeps you going, like why. Why do you do what you do? Why do you want to keep going? You know, past eight years and beyond. I think that
1: I have a an insatiable appetite for you know improvement and progress. That like that's really what fulfills me is when I'm progressing in life. I I get this little hit of probably dopamine where I'm just like, yes, you know, we've we've made this improvement and now you know we can do this other thing, and so. Yeah, I, I just have this vision of building a great and lasting company. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet, but I know we're going to do everything that we can for it to just be fantastic and build an excellent culture. You know, I, I read these business books and I'm just so inspired by what other people have done and, and what all of us are capable of doing. Uh, and that's what I want to do. I want to I want to take it to
0: the max. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. All right, well, switching gears, I got a couple um, forward-looking questions we'll we'll wrap up. Obviously, the last couple of years have been pretty wacky for our industry. Thought like everything was just crashing and then everything just exploded the other way and now everyone's, you know, um remodeling and, you know, business is booming, you know, gen- generally across the the country. But what do you think are maybe like a couple different big challenges that our industry is facing currently or we need to be kind of watching out for and working to solve over the next, you know, one to three years?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think everybody knows this one, but it's, it's just talent finding right people. And I don't know if that's attracting people from other industries or, or, you know, working on the youth. I mean, that's like the long-term strategy. What, what we're doing for that right now is trying to be as excellent as possible at developing a great culture with a great package, you know, something that people are truly inspired, you know, and and motivated to join our team. So that's, that's how we're addressing that issue because without people, you know, what can you do? Another challenge that I see coming our way, you know, know, there's all just like the current ebb and flow of, of the moment. Like, you know, what's, what's going on with all these price increases? Well, fortunately we do remodeling. And so as prices increase, we can increase our prices But I think that that's going to put a dampener on the amount of growth that all of us are able to experience. I mean, AI is just as a society, I mean, our industry is going to be sheltered from AI a bit because, you know, you can't just put a a robot in there to go and do a remodel. You know, probably new homes is going to be affected long term. But AI is going to create this problem in other industries that is going to also create a wave and an effect in ours. I don't know what that's going to be like, but as long as we just keep trying to do our best and, and make progress and move forward, then we should be able to outcompete <laughs> people, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. Yeah, you think so, and and I I tend to agree with your your thoughts there on AI. I mean, I feel like new homes because it's a little more formulaic. Like it'll hit that first before yeah. before yeah. remodel, and maybe there will be certain components of what we're doing in this industry that that do get automated and streamlined sure. even more. But yeah, whenever you're going into a, a home where there's unknowns, yeah, it feels like there's gotta be that, that human component. So we'll, we'll have to keep our, our eyes up and kind of see how that starts to evolve. But uh, yeah, those are, those are good ones. All right. Well, let's wrap with uh, if you could just leave one piece of advice for other people listening, something you've learned or something you want to pass along mostly other, other remodelers listening.
1: Yeah. Just, Learn as much as you can when you can, right? So instead of listening to music when you're in the vehicle, listen to an audiobook, you know, and just, just keep learning and improving and progressing because every book stacks on top of, its, of itself and you keep climbing up in, in your
0: own uh, abilities. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I... Definitely agree with that. For For a few years there, I was trying to get in about 50 books a year and now I'm, I'm down a bit because I've been doing a lot more podcasting. But uh, whatever your learning method is, I think, yeah, that's great advice. And uh, Jared, thanks so much for sharing your story and joining me today. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.